Chapter 60 of Astoria, or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Arrival of a Strange Sail. Agitation at Astoria. Warlike Offer of Comcomly. Astoria taken possession of by the British. Indignation of Comcomly at the conduct of his son-in-law on the morning of the thirtieth of november a sail was descried doubling cape disappointment it came to anchor in baker's bay and proved to be a ship of war of what nation was now the anxious inquiry if english why did it come alone where was the merchant vessel that was to have accompanied it if american what was to become of the newly acquired possession of the northwest company in this dilemma mctavish in all haste loaded two barges with all the packages of furs bearing the mark of the northwest company and made off for tongue point three miles up the river there he was to await a preconcerted signal from mcdougall on ascertaining the character of the ship if it should prove american mctavish would have a fair start and could bear off his rich cargo to the interior it is singular that this prompt mode of conveying valuable but easily transportable effects beyond the reach of a hostile ship should not have suggested itself while the property belonged to mr astor in the meantime mcdougall who still remained nominal chief at the fort launched a canoe manned by men recently in the employ of the american fur company and steered for the ship on the way he instructed his men to pass themselves for americans or englishmen according to the exigencies of the case the vessel proved to be the british sloop-of-war raccoon of twenty-six guns and one hundred and twenty men commanded by captain black according to the account of that officer the frigate phoebe and two sloops of war cherub and raccoon had sailed in convoy of the isaac todd from rio janeiro on board of the phoebe mr john macdonald a partner of the northwest company embarked as passenger to profit by the anticipated catastrophe at astoria the convoy was separated by stress of weather off cape horn the three ships of war came together again at the island of juan fernandez their appointed rendezvous but waited in vain for the isaac todd in the meantime intelligence was received of the mischief that commodore porter was doing among the british whale-ships commodore hillier immediately set sail in quest of him with the phoebe and the cherub transferring mr macdonald to the raccoon and ordered that vessel to proceed to the columbia the officers of the raccoon were in high spirits the agents of the northwest company in instigating the expedition had talked of immense booty to be made by the fortunate captors of astoria mr macdonald had kept up the excitement during the voyage so that not a midshipman but revelled in dreams of ample prize money nor a lieutenant that would have sold his chance for a thousand pounds their disappointment therefore may easily be conceived when they learned that their warlike attack upon astoria had been forestalled by a snug commercial arrangement that their anticipated booty had become british property in the regular course of traffic and that all this had been effected by the very company which had been instrumental in getting them sent on what they now stigmatized as a fool's errand 
they felt as if they had been duped and made tools of by a set of shrewd men of traffic who had employed them to crack the nut while they carried off the colonel in a word macdougall found himself so ungraciously received by his countrymen on board of the ship that he was glad to cut short his visit and return to shore he was busy at the fort making preparations for the reception of the captain of the raccoon when his one-eyed indian father-in-law made his appearance with a train of chinook warriors all painted and equipped in warlike style old concomly had beheld with dismay the arrival of the big war canoe displaying the british flag the shrewd old savage had become something of a politician in the course of his daily visits at the fort he knew of the war existing between the nations but knew nothing of the arrangement between MacDougall and MacTavish. He trembled, therefore, for the power of his white son-in-law and the new-fledged grandeur of his daughter, and assembled his warriors in all haste. "'King George,' said he, "'has sent his great canoe to destroy the fort and make slaves of all the inhabitants. Shall we suffer it? The Americans are the first white men that have fixed themselves in the land.' they have treated us like brothers their great chief has taken my daughter to be his squaw we are therefore as one people his warriors had all determined to stand by the americans to the last and to this effect they came painted and armed for battle come calmly made a spirited war speech to his son-in-law he offered to kill every one of king george's men that should attempt to land it was an easy matter the ship could not approach within six miles of the fort the crew could only land in boats the woods reached to the water's edge in these he and his warriors would conceal themselves and shoot down the enemy as fast as they put foot on shore macdougall was doubtless properly sensible of this parental devotion on the part of his savage father-in-law and perhaps a little rebuked by the game spirit so opposite to his own he assured concomly however that his solicitude for the safety of himself and the princess was superfluous as though the ship belonged to king george her crew would not injure the americans or their indian allies he advised him and his warriors therefore to lay aside their weapons and war shirts wash off the paint from their faces and bodies and appear like clean and civil savages to receive the strangers courteously calm calmly was sorely puzzled at this advice which accorded so little with his indian notions of receiving a hostile nation and it was only after repeated and positive assurances of the amicable intentions of the strangers that he was induced to lower his fighting tone he said something to his warriors explanatory of this singular posture of affairs and in vindication perhaps of the pacific temper of his son-in-law they all gave a shrug and an indian grunt of acquiescence and went off sulkily to their village to lay aside their weapons for the present the proper arrangements being made for the reception of captain black that officer caused his ship's boats to be manned and landed with befitting state at astoria 
from the talk that had been made by the northwest company of the strength of the place and the armament they had required to assist in its reduction he expected to find a fortress of some importance when he beheld nothing but stockades and bastions calculated for defence against naked savages he felt an emotion of indignant surprise mingled with something of the ludicrous is this the fort cried he about which i have heard so much talking d me but i'd better batter it down in two hours with a four-pounder when he learned however the amount of rich furs that had been passed into the hands of the northwesters he was outrageous and insisted that an inventory should be taken of all the property purchased of the americans with a view to ulterior measures in england for the recovery of the value from the northwest company as he grew cool however he gave over all idea of preferring such a claim and reconciled himself as well as he could to the idea of having been forestalled by his bargaining coadjutors on the twelfth of december the fate of astoria was consummated by a regular ceremonial captain black attended by his officers entered the fort caused the british standard to be erected broke a bottle of wine and declared in a loud voice that he took possession of the establishment and of the country in the name of his britannic majesty changing the name of astoria to that of fort george the indian warriors who had offered their services to repel the strangers were present on this occasion it was explained to them as being a friendly arrangement and transfer but they shook their heads grimly and considered it an act of subjugation of their ancient allies they regretted that they had complied with MacDougall's wishes in laying aside their arms and remarked that however the americans might conceal the fact they were undoubtedly all slaves nor could they be persuaded of the contrary until they beheld the raccoon depart without taking away any prisoners as to comcomly he no longer prided himself upon his white son-in-law but whenever he was asked about him shook his head and replied that his daughter had made a mistake and instead of getting a great warrior for a husband had married herself to a squaw End of chapter sixty